0: Welcome to Fido's Podcast, home of the world's first dog, Tap House. We are working to provide you a fun, welcoming, and educational social environment that inspires you to adopt homeless dogs. Here is your host, Scott Porter. Hello again. Welcome to Fido's Podcast. Today we have an interview from the Greyhound Pet Rescue Northwest. I think I got that right. We had them here about a week ago. It was just a wonderful event. It was so incredible to see greyhounds for the very first time. They are one of the best family dogs that you could ever have as you're gonna hear in this interview. So let's go ahead and get started. today I want to welcome Janet Chandler who is the board secretary for Greyhound Pet Adoption Northwest. Welcome Janet. Thank you. Thanks for coming in.
1: Oh we're enjoying it.
0: First thing I have to say is I haven't seen greyhounds before and they are so beautiful. They are. They are so beautiful and so graceful looking. Yes. So yeah they're just and you have there's wow there's like eight here? I eight think or there's nine.
1: eight, yes. And then there's a couple Whippets, which are a different breed, but yeah. very similar. Yeah,
0: but they're just wonderful, wonderful dogs. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. So first off, tell me a little bit about your dog background, because I know that you said you've been with this charity for about 10 years. But what about before that? What type of a <coughs> dog background did you have?
1: I really didn't have much. I, um, Uh, nothing professionally I mean I I, uh, grew up with dogs I always grew up I grew up with collies so I always thought dogs had to be big and hairy and I didn't like short-haired dogs until I met greyhounds, and then I fell in love with the breed um, probably about 12 years ago and I liked I went around and and to different uh, events to find out more about them Um,
0: so how did you first meet them
1: I met him at an event, that very much like we're having here, a meet and greet. Just went and started talking to people who um, own Greyhounds. And I was specifically interested in them, in part, because I liked the idea of adopting dogs that had worked for a living. And these are all retired racers that right. we have. Um, so they have they've had an athletic life and now they're looking for a retirement home and uh uh-huh. and that's what we provide. So you
0: them. met them, but how did you end up getting involved with the charity?
1: Uh, well I adopted from Greyhound my first Greyhound from from our organization and um, a couple years after that they were recruiting for new people to be on their board. Oh okay and I stuck up my hand and volunteered and um, that's how I, I got involved.
0: So how long has Greyhound Pet Adoption been around? And I i think you told me before that they're also part of a larger network?
1: Not anymore. When, oh. when Greyhound Pet Adoption first started, it was in 1987. And they were part of a of a national group, Greyhound Pets of America. Okay. Um, about 15 years ago, they broke off and, and separated. Uh, the only real difference is we are foster based. So all of our dogs, before they go before they're adopted, they go into a foster home, which is experienced and has typically has a greyhound there. So they learn how to do things that greyhounds don't know how to do when they've come off the track they've never been around stairs they've never been um on slippery floors they've never been around plate glass windows (laughs) wow so there's things that they have to learn about being a house dog
0: so as a charity is there is there any paid staff on the charity no none It's 100% volunteer. All
1: volunteer, yes. Which
0: I find very common in so many of the charities that I interview. So why do you do this?
1: Because I love the dogs. Um, And if there weren't groups like ours, the dogs would have no place to go, and it'd be like in the bad old days when they were just killed off.
0: Euthanized.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I do it for that reason. And, you know, I love, I've had greyhounds, I can't imagine now having any other breed. So it's my way of, now that I'm retired, of putting my some of my expertise to use.
0: And I mean, for me, there's just a tremendous emotional return being around any dog. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So t- do you, how much do you know about greyhound racing? Do you, I mean, uh, my impression of it, is that, I'll just say my impression, because uh-huh. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but my impression is that they kind of beat up the dogs and wear them out, and then when they're no longer any good, they throw them away.
1: That probably was true in sort of the bad old days. Um, but uh, there are, we work with um, racing handle owners and professional greyhound breeders that are breeding for the racing industry and the ones that we work with we know and they treat their dogs very well they do get beat up but remember they're athletes I mean whether they should or should not be racing that's what they're doing and like any athlete they get kind of you know they're in a race they knock each other down Um, a lot of them uh, their racing career ends because they get an injury uh huh kind of like football. (laughs) And um, so it, in the U.S. at least, um, it is, uh, the animals are treated fairly well, and about 98% of them, when they retire, are um, sent to organizations like ours, and they're adopted by people. Oh, okay.
0: And so... um... I think you mentioned out there earlier, I said I told you I was going to ask you some of the same questions, but uh, you mentioned that you get most, many of your dogs from the southeast United States?
1: That's really where racing uh, is anymore. Greyhound racing is a dying industry. I mean, it used to be that virtually every state had one or two or ten um, tracks, and it has, it has died out primarily for economic reasons. People just don't go and bet on the dogs anymore. Um, and so, uh, for instance, up until about six years ago, we got most of our dogs from a track in Tucson, Arizona. It closed. Oh. Um, there was a track in Texas. It closed. Alabama had two tracks. One of them is now closed. The big thing that's going right on right now in greyhound racing is the state of Florida had a <clears throat> had a vote last November, and they voted to outlaw um, greyhound racing by the end of
0: 2020. Wow.
1: Florida has the most tracks; it has oh, 11. Do? Yeah. So when those are all closed,
0: so why do you th- do you know the premise or the? The background as to why they ultimately said let's outlaw it was it worried about was it from animal advocates it
1: was primarily animal advocates yes Um, our particular organization is neutral when it comes to greyhound racing we're neither for it nor against it um, because some of our members are for it or against it and um, but there are other greyhound organizations that are very anti-racing there are others that are very pro-racing.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but it was mainly advocacy groups that did a lot of the advertising that went along with the vote. But the vote was overwhelming. Oh. It was. It was not close. Yeah. Um, so. So you know, that's the, the 2022. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So when you say you're getting your dogs from the southeast, how are you getting them? How how are they getting here?
1: Um right now, we're going and getting out the dogs we're going to Kansas and getting dogs from greyhound farms
0: you're driving there
1: we're driving there we have we have a barge pickup and what's called a greyhound trailer and we can we can carry twenty eight dogs in there and we prefer to do our own transport. There are professional people that transport dogs but we feel we can give them better, um, a better situation when we're driving them because we let them out We on potty breaks. We socialize yeah. with them. They don't do that when they're being commercially. Yeah. So we go get our, our, our own. Um,
0: and do you oftentimes come back with 28? Yes. You do? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. you come, come back, back with 30. 28 dogs. What? You already have the foster homes lined up?
1: For, for many of them, we also have a, uh, a temporary kennel out in the sandy area. It's called Hounds Rest. When the dogs first come in, they come into the two hounds rest and they are it's got 20 individual condos. Uh, uh, it's got an indoor um, area that is heated and, and cooled in the summertime and it has an individual run, and it has two large exercise rooms. So people are out there every day, um, in the morning and the afternoon, feeding them, cleaning up their poop, and exercising them. So
0: that's separate to the charity, but... No, it's part of us. It is part of the charity. Oh
1: yeah. Okay. We we own that equipment, um, and uh, uh, have it on rental property right now. and, but we don't want the dogs to stay there very long. It's a temporary kennel. And then uh, as they are, um, as as foster do- families open up, foster homes, we put them in there. We also, if they haven't been vetted, if they haven't been spayed or neutered or beforehand, we keep them there, then we take them to a couple veterinarians that we work with closely and have their uh, vetting done. And then they go to a foster home.
0: Uh huh. Okay. So, so, you know, driving out to Alabama or Florida seems like a long way. Aren't there other, more local organizations that would home these dogs?
1: Um. Well, again, we're getting most of ours from Kansas right now. Oh. We've gotten, we've gotten some from Alabama.
0: But is there a proliferation of? of dogs that are j- there's too many to adopt is that
1: it a lot of the smaller adoption groups have gone out of business because of the vote in Kansas in uh, in Florida and they don't have the financial resources anymore we're one of the larger ones we do a lot of fundraising oh, so okay. that we can take in dogs and we're one of the relatively few that will take in dogs with injuries so we will not if the, if a dog has a broken leg or you know has some medical issues, we will take in that dog.
0: I mean, fundraising for any charity is.
1: We're doing it all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny you mention that because when I first spoke with Kathy Nishak, do you are you familiar with her? She is the founder of this. Oh yes, chari- right. Oregon Friends of Shelter Animals. Right, that's right. I sat down with her over coffee, I just said I wanted to pick your brain, I got this crazy idea, and I was wondering if I could just pick your brain about the rescue industry, and that's, I quickly learned that for me to go get the dogs myself, that it would just be way too much <laughs> that, that for, for me to do, and she offered, she goes, why don't I just, I'll give you the dogs, I've got the network, I've got all this, but the right. one thing that she said that really made an impact upon me was she. she said she's fundraising all the time and that it's just non-stop and she's and I said well what do you do for a living and she was a she's a full-time nurse yeah and she always put in some of her own money into the charity And I was just it fascinated me at that time that there was people like her that were so dedicated to helping dogs that they were willing to put in their spare time and their money into helping these dogs and that's when I thought maybe I could start a bar (laughs) that fosters dogs and Mm -hmm. at the same time it really focuses on trying to help charities so that they don't have to spend so much time fundraising and that that's really the impetus of fighters. And we really
1: appreciate that. And this is a this is a nice venue. I like that. Thank you. A lot. But,
0: um, so tell me, so tell me about um, the greyhound as a breed, because I, I mean I I've only this is the first time I've actually been around greyhounds, and I've read or I watched like a YouTube video, and I heard uh-huh. they're they're wonderful pets. But I think the vast majority of people just. They know them as a racing dog, right. and they really probably don't know a whole lot about them as a breed. So what are the greyhound, what is a greyhound breed like?
1: First of all, it's not like any breed. It's not a breed for everyone. It, they, um, <clears throat> they're sighthounds, uh, and there are several breeds of sighthounds under that general category. And one thing they have in common is they, they were bred to hunt by sight, so they're fast. <laughs> And one of the things that means is when you adopt them, they can never be off a leash. Except in a totally enclosed area.
0: A dog park, yeah.
1: Yeah, a, a dog park. Um, and uh, they
0: can't be off a leash because...
1: If they, sight, if they sight something, if they see, they have incredible eyesight. And if they see a squirrel or whatever it is, a quarter mile away, they, they're gone. And you can't catch them because they're fast. And they... And they don't know anything about cars. They're
0: just focused on get that squirrel. Yeah. Okay, so, and...
1: So some people don't like the idea that they have to have their dog on a leash. They think that's... They would rather have their dog trained so it would stay with them. Greenhound's not going to do that. Um, But they are... um, They're very sweet dogs. Uh... They make an, an amazing transition, if you think about it, from being athletes to living in a home. They've never been in a home. They've never been around any breed other than greyhounds. Oh,
0: yeah. They
1: grew up with, you know, they, they were in a litter, but that litter stays together for a long time because they're trained for racing. Then when they, they go to puppy school and, and racing school together, then they're sold to a racing kennel, that that owner has, you know, 50 greyhounds, so they've always been with greyhounds, and they've never been alone.
0: Never yes. been alone. Uh, they've never either. been alone. Yeah.
1: So some dogs, we test them to see if they can be only dogs or not. Uh-huh. Um, because not all of them can. They've just, it's terrifying to them to be all by themselves. Some, some they'll make the transition just just fine, and they love being the center of attention Um, but as a breed that's something you know we always we test for that and we evaluate when somebody wants to adopt we want to make sure they're going to get a lot of contact that they understand that you can't you know this dog is unique and that it's never been by itself so don't expect it to just make that transition very easily
0: so um, I saw on a video that I mean these are fairly large dogs, but I saw in a video that it said they make great apartment dogs.
1: They do. We have a lot of people who have men apartments and condos.
0: And because even though they've come from an athletic background, once they transition to a private home, <laughs> you would think that they would need a lot of exercise, but know. they don't.
1: That's probably the most common misconception. People will say, oh, I can't adopt a greyhound. It needs all that exercise. You have to think about when they're racing, a race is 30 seconds. They're going 45 miles an hour for 30 seconds, and they're done. Then they go back to a kennel where they hang out for a couple of days before. They... Uh, so when they're not racing and that burst of energy, they're kind of lazy.
0: So 20-minute walks twice a day, it's fine. they're pretty happy. They're pretty happy. And uh, yeah. they're... Big lap dogs. They like to cuddle.
1: They like to cuddle. They love to be on your couch. Uh, you know, a lot of people they they take up your bed. They
0: don't bark much.
1: They don't. They're not bark dogs. Barky dogs at all. Um, I mean, you listen to. We've got what seven or eight out there now. Well, I've none got none of them are barking. I've got our
0: four dogs in there, <laughs> which yeah. people will probably hear. But yeah,
1: <laughs> but our dogs aren't. They just don't bark. Which uh, I personally like they're also very easy to take care of um you don't have i mean my dogs get my dog now um gets a bath maybe once a year
0: oh wow
1: they don't have any undercoat and they just don't get smelly even if they get wet they're not i mean unless Uh they you know go in the dirt or play with a skunk or something they're not gonna they really don't need a bath. as a
0: breed do they have any medical um things that are common to the breed or like I mean like you look at Mm -hmm. some of the labs and retrievers or and the shepherds they'll get like hip dysplasia.
1: Yeah it's not you'll never get hip dysplasia in a greyhound. For one thing these were bred for racing. Breeders are not going to breed dogs that have that gene or those genes in them to make that would result in um, hip dysplasia. Okay. And their anatomy is just very different so they don't have hip dysplasia. Um, they tend to have bad teeth. A lot of dogs with very long snouts have problems with their their molars back here. Uh huh. And <clears throat> when they're racing, they're not getting dentistry. So that's a fairly common thing: is they will need dental work. They will lose some teeth. Uh huh. Yeah.
0: Okay. And uh, so if. Somebody wanted to and adopt uh, a dog from from this charity. What what is the process that they would do to to do that?
1: Well, if they've done some homework and think maybe that's the breed for them, and you know come to some events, just talk to people who own them, then they can go online um, and uh, fill out an application. And we have a. Uh, an application fee that goes toward the ultimate adoption fee. Um, The application is then reviewed and it's sent to one of our placement volunteers that lives in the general area where the person lives. So the placement person will call, get more information about, you know, the home and everything. We do a home visit to make sure it's safe for the dog. We don't require that they have a fenced backyard. It's nice. Um, and if they're going to have a fenced yard, it it has to be more than four feet or the dog will just jump over it. Right. Um, And then it's a matter of uh, do they have cats because not all greyhounds can be around cats. Okay. Uh, Do they have small dogs for the same reason? not High prey drive, you don't want them around cats and dogs. Okay. The majority of greyhounds are fine with them, Uh but we always evaluate that. Um, and then we, we try and do a matching. You know, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z in a dog. These are the ones that we have right now. Is one of them going to be a good match? Um, the placement people bring the dog to the person's home. We don't have a place where you can just go and look at 100 greyhounds, and that's also not a very good way to make a decision about a dog. So we bring a dog that we think is a good match to the home, see how that fits you know do you feel good about that dog is there a connection sometimes there isn't take that dog back bring another one until they find the dog and i would imagine
0: that because these dogs have been retired from racing many of the dogs that you're getting are a certain age at least five six seven do they race for several years before they're retired
1: by law they they have to quit by their sixth birthday but most of them uh Retire beforehand from for either they get injured or they just slow down. Okay. Again, they're athletes, so right. um, But we get a a fair amount of of that are like a year, year and a half. They flunked puppy school; Uh they weren't good racers.
0: Oh, okay. So we get them young. Okay, and so so the adoptions approved, and Mm -hmm. I know there's there's always a contract. Right. So. Probably within the contract, you have the agreement that if for whatever reason in the future, they just decide they can't take care of the dog, they bring it back to you. Absolutely. That, yeah. Yeah. Does that happen very much?
1: Yes, unfortunately. Oh. And.
0: Why? What? So what is it? I mean, if you cover, you're <clears throat> trying to, I mean, we've had it happen here. Yeah. But you try to cover your bases and so what are
1: it's usually a change in the person's circumstances they get ill um, uh, they lose their job uh, they have to move in the, to a place that they can't take a dog um, and so we will take the dog back what's probably the saddest thing is when they've adopted a dog when it was three or four years old and they give it back to us and it's twelve.
0: Oh my gosh and we take
1: them in I mean we'll, we will never not take a dog in
0: but the dog must be devastated. Yeah, the dog. wild
1: right, but they go into a foster home with other greyhounds, and uh, we have a group, a small group of dogs that we call permanent fosters that we we um, take care of for the rest of their life. These are dogs that either have medical or age-related problems, um, or sometimes behavioral problems that don't make them adoptable. Uh huh. But we will continue to take care of them and provide them there. And
0: what's the typical age range that... I heard somebody out on the patio said that they had a dog that lived to be 26.
1: No, nope. not, not a greyhound. That's like a horse.
0: So what's the typical age range 12 that- to
1: 14 is typical um, age range for greyhound. Yeah, he said,
0: he said that if they get beyond that age that they can live longer, but... He
1: said 10. He said if they get beyond 10, oh. then I, I know he didn't say 27, he, he, uh, um, but 12 to 14 okay. is typical, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So. My dog here is 12 and a half.
0: Right. So you got involved with this charity 12 years ago just by curiosity going to an event. So if somebody else is listening. Mm-hmm what's the website or what's the primary way that you would want somebody to learn about you guys for events or support or perhaps to become a volunteer?
1: Probably the best way is to go to our website uh, which is gpa-nw.org and it has a lot of useful information on uh, giving background, what we're looking for in terms of volunteers available dogs, um, community events, veterinarians that we recommend. I mean, there's a variety of good information uh-huh. on, um, on the website. And then you can also look at our Facebook um, for postings um, and uh, come to an event and start talking to somebody. Yeah. It's really the good way to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would love... To pack this place to just, you know, make charities the entertainment to, and there are, it's starting to catch on. People are coming to, I mean, you can go to any old beer place for a beer event. Yeah, right. But to come to a place where you can have the social environment and meet great people and these dogs with such an interesting background uh, is what I hope will really catch on. To help
1: well, I think you're you're doing that, and you know, there's been a couple of people that I've already talked to out there that I hadn't met before who are Good. interested. Good. So,
0: what's uh so before we sign off? Is there mm-hmm. any is there any um, events or dogs that stick out in your mind for just a wonderful story, or that inspired you kept kept inspiring you, or that just you know, this is why I do it. I mean, there's a, how many dogs have you guys helped in 10 years?
1: About uh, close to 6,000. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> well, if there's no single one
0: of them, so. There's, so m- just, there's
1: really so many. I mean, I'm thinking of dogs. A lot of the dogs that I really remember are the ones that came to us in horrible shape. Yes. They had horrible injuries. And we did fundraising for them. Mm and took care of them and we thought we were, they were going to die and they made it and yeah. it's because of things we could have we we found the money we have veterinarians and specialists that that we provide them and they made it and they're happy and they're with you their know, resilience
0: they uh, that i mean dogs as a species their resiliency is what yes it's one of the things that just amazes me you can they can come from just completely horrific backgrounds mm-hmm. and with a lot of love and patience you can they can become better and they can yeah. become wonderful pets and
1: yeah and that just that's that's what i guess that's what drives me that's my motivation is yeah is seeing those dogs and knowing them and knowing their stories and helping fundraise so we can uh we can continue to do that
0: yeah is there anything else you'd like to say or that I haven't
1: No, just covered? uh um, we're not the best known breed, but if you find out, you know, if you yeah. get a little information on us, I think that uh you know, people just really get hooked on the breed. <laughs> well,
0: I want to personally thank you for your volunteer work. Thank you. I consider you a hero.
1: Oh my goodness. You're
0: you're a hero in my mind as are all the people that work with the charities to really try and make a difference to help different breeds but just the dogs in general yeah i love so much because of what they do for us and uh, i want to thank you for coming here hope we can establish a nice long relationship we're we're here to help you guys any way we can if you want to do a fundraiser here the the venue's no charge for you guys and we greatly
1: appreciate that we'll We'll take you up on that.
0: (laughs) We'd love to have. Thank you so much, Janet, for coming. Thank you. All right.
1: This podcast is a production of Fido's, the world's first dog tap house. For more information,
0: visit us at ilovefidos.com or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Fido's Tap House.